It's another edition of the Stretch Big Podcast. Welcome in. I'm your host, Jacob Bigelow. As always, and I'm coming to you with a little weekend pod to talk about. Um, well, last time you heard from me was leading into the Maryland game. Give me a little preview of Nebraska-Maryland. Um, I think it's best for everyone. We're not going to talk about that game, um, obviously, because it's now more than a week in the rear view. Had some uh, technical issues that prevented, uh, prevented us from getting an episode out. Right after, wanted to maybe preview Wisconsin again before Thursday night. But this game is going to be looking back on Nebraska's enormous 80-72 win over number 6 Wisconsin on Thursday night at Pinnacle Bank Arena. A little preview of Illinois as well at the end as the Huskers hit the road today as I sit here recording this to head to Champaign for tomorrow's 5.30 p.m. tip at the State Farm Center against the 14th ranked Fighting Illini. But Thursday night... You know, if you had heard me, I was was on the radio plenty of this week. Did five uh, radio spots. Shout out to uh, 1620 guys on all three of the 1620 shows. Shout out to my guy Nick Sainert at 93.7 The Ticket and Jake Bartecki down in uh, Beatrice. Was on th- five different radio shows this week talking about the lead up to this game and the aftermath of this game on Thursday. Nebraska notches their second win of the season over a top 10 team, both coming at Pinnacle Bank Arena. The last time that uh, Nebraska did that, beat two top 10 teams in the same year, ironically enough, was the 2013-14 season, uh, the last time they went to the NCAA tournament. That was the, also the last time there were multiple court, court storms in a season at PBA. Um, it's a lot of parallels still being drawn between this team and that 2013-14 team you know, 10 years later. But the win, you know, First 20 minutes didn't look so great. I was kind of uh, worried that it was trending toward being uh, the very early similar uh, to the Creighton game in early December. Nebraska had five days off leading up to this game. There was a lot of buildup, a lot of, you know, as Fred Hoiberg's addressed, the outside narratives, the, you know, the talk surrounding the program. There was a lot of weight being put into this game. And for 20 minutes, it appeared that, um, like it appeared in that Creighton game in early December, that they had made a mess of themselves, taken a dump in their pants, however you want to describe it. Wisconsin led by 16 at the half, and it was really on the backs of two guys, those two guys being St. John's transfer A.J. Store and Bellevue West's own Chucky Hepburn, who were both doing almost whatever they wanted to in that first half, uh, Wisconsin, they were doing, I mean, they were carving up Nebraska for 20 minutes and it was honestly, you know, they were, it was, it was surgical. Like it was, it was eerily similar to the first game in Madison. They were, you know, threatened, you know, AJ store had their first 10 points. He was a perfect, perfect from the field. He was hitting deep threes. Um, Chucky Hepburn had that stretch toward the end of the half where he had the back-to-back steals, went on a little personal 7-0 run. Um, I mean, they those two were doing almost whatever they wanted. It was the the flip of the game in Madison where it was big days for Tyler Wall, Stephen Crowell, and then kind of the supporting cast for Wisconsin all came in in that first game and hit a couple threes. Um, this game was different. Store finished with 28 uh, Chucky had 13, and then Max Klesman, who got hot at the you know toward the end of the second, toward the middle end of the second half, he was finished with 13. Those are the only Badgers 
in double figures. They made 10 threes for the game. Half of those were from Storr. Storr had five. Klesmet made all three of his in the second half. It seemed like it was in less than less than three minutes of game time. And the other the other makes were one for Connor Asijan and one for John Blackwell. Those were the only threes that Wisconsin made. Uh, the first half, I mean, I mean, this is, you know, Nebraska was down by 19 at one point. They were down 16 at the break. And at the break, it is store at 18, Chucky at 11. No one else had more than one made bucket. So those two guys, I mean, they were doing just about whatever they wanted. Um, they, I mean, it was, you know, it was trending pretty bad. The vibes were definitely not ideal at halftime. Uh, we got to hear from the Simon Says guy. And he did not get booed like the like the superstars. So it was good to you know see Steve Max, the Simon Says guy, not get booed uh, off the floor at half. But then Nebraska, and even you know to start the second half, it wasn't exactly pretty. It you know Wisconsin came out and they made their first couple shots. They went and attack went into the paint. You know went with Wall Store AJ Store hit a three where. The net barely moved at one point. Um, you know, it, that was my biggest takeaway for Wisconsin. AJ Store was really good. Uh, Greg Gard committed grand larceny, landing him out of the portal. Big, Big East freshman of the year last year at St. John's. And then Rick Patino gets the job. And I don't know, that just didn't see a fit for him because, you know, Joel, Joel Soriano was the only player that. Patino kept around, but you know any any team in America would be happy to have AJ Store on their team if he keeps playing the way he's playing. I don't think he'll be in Madison next year. It's a pretty weak NBA draft class. He may play his way into getting drafted. But this is a Nebraska podcast, after all. We're here to talk about Nebraska. So enough waxing poetic about the Badgers. Uh, this game flipped when Nebraska went on a twenty to five run in the span of about five, five, six minutes of game time in the second half. They were down, like I said, they were down 16 at the break. They Then they just started chipping away, and it helped that Wisconsin was turning it over. You know, there was a couple, you know, some lazy-ass passes. Some There was the sequence where Josiah Alec dove out of bounds, flipped it to Sam Hoiberg. Sam Hoiberg goes end-to-end. I mean, that, that, that kid just keeps making winning plays. Cannot say enough good about Sam Hoiberg. Uh, but the story of the game for Nebraska, and I hearken back to the first podcast I ever recorded on this feed where I talked about the possibility of the C.J. Wiltshire renaissance. Um, this isn't the renaissance. This is the roaring <laughs> the roaring 20s for C.J. Wiltshire. His hot streak continues, and he powered Nebraska back with, you know, he was on a personal 6-0 run, in the middle of the you know the big the big burst that got Nebraska back into it, he was hitting threes. He hit a tough mid range baseline pull up. Um, he finished with twenty two points, and I cannot you know I've said I've said a lot of you know seven to ten shooting twenty two points um, off the bench. He's now been in double figures off the bench eleven times uh, this season. Nebraska's bench outscored Wisconsin thirty-four to ten in bench points. That was, you know, the mo- tied for Nebraska's most in a game this season, and that's in part also because Juwan Gary came off the bench. Uh, but the something flipped, something flipped, and I, I still, as I sit here on Saturday morning, 
recording this, I still don't know what exactly it was. Um, we heard at, from Wiltshire and from Fred Hoiberg after the game that Fred ripped into him at halftime, uh, got a little animated, used some some colorful language, but I mean that you know people think that you know Fred won't uh, when Fred needs to get animated, when Fred he needs to get after it, he'll get after it. I know he he's pretty even keel. Um, he's not you know running you know standing on the floor, John with the refs or showing much emotion on the sideline. He's just in his in his quarter zip and track suit and his ultra boosts and you know he he. He'll, uh, aside from when he kicked the score table that one time, but we heard that that was what you know flipped us, flipped it at halftime, and it was two completely different halves, two completely and totally different halves. Nebraska's defensive intensity was turned up to eleven for the second twenty minutes. They were, they defended really really well. Their rotations were back to being pretty crisp. They were you know. Jumping passing lanes, they they forced turnovers. I mean, they were they. It was it was felt like watching two completely different teams. Um, you know, they held Wisconsin in the half to thirty five percent shooting, twenty eight percent from three in the second half. Night and day difference. Store only had seven in the second half. Klesman went on that little hot streak, and that was basically the biggest um, you know stretch of you know, Wisconsin's offense looking like it did in the first half. Greg Gard. Post game, you know, said they stopped being aggressive. They stopped, you know, doing. I mean, they, he basically echoed my same sentiment that they they were a completely different team in the second twenty minutes. And I think what stands stands out to me the most is that you know Tyler Wall only had seven. Stephen Crowell, who went off in the first game, had one point. He had thirteen rebounds, but he only had one point, and it came almost toward. Uh, the end of the game. Wisconsin turned it over 16 times. Nebraska converted those 16 turnovers into 18 points on the other end. Um, but the comeback for the second straight year, you know, last year's group was down 17 to Wisconsin in the second half, came back one in overtime. This team was down 19 at one point, came back one in overtime. Back to back years, two incredibly memorable. Uh, results against Wisconsin and Lincoln, and I know, um, you know, most people, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of strong feelings on Wisconsin basketball in the Nebraska fan base. Um, there's some some opinions on uh, their point guard, who's a local local product here, and you know, not nearly as much discourse about the reception that uh, Chucky Hepburn received as there was last year. But it's just part of the game. Um, I you know. I've been on the record before. I'll I'll say it again. Any any chance of Chucky Hepburn playing at Nebraska ended when Tim Miles was no longer the head coach and Michael Lewis was not retained on staff. I I believe to this day that if Tim Miles was the head was the head coach that following season, Michael Lewis is still on staff. Chucky Hepburn and likely Hunter Salas both end up at Nebraska, but that has been. That's something I I stand by on good authority um, from people on both sides of those relationships. I think that that would have happened. And then Fred comes in and has has his goon recruiter. And he at one point went on local radio in Lincoln and without naming names basically said that kids from Nebraska weren't good enough for him. And that's one of the one of the many reasons he's no longer 
a part of the staff, but um, that yeah, off topic, off topic, but you know, figured I'd throw that in there. This game, environment-wise, I, I I've been thinking about this since I walked out of the arena Thursday night. Fred Hoiberg called it the best environment he's seen since he's been the head coach. Well, the first three years didn't really warrant for many environments quite like that. That was more wild than the Purdue game, probably mostly because the students were there. Student section was bringing the juice. The place was place was incredible. I think that may be a, a top five environment in Pinnacle Bank Arena. You know, in Pinnacle Bank Arena's run now, which is you know ten years, ten years of PBA. And I think that that was a top five, maybe even top three game. The games that come to mind for me when thinking about big, big environments, obviously No Sit Sunday at the top of the list. Some people thought that game was comparable, talking to them. Uh, when the Creighton game in 2017-18, I mean, that was that was blood in the water. People wanted blood that day, and it that, that, that one's right up there for me. Um, the Purdue game was still, earlier this year, was still a pretty incredible environment. The Kansas game, even though Nebraska lost that day, that's up there. Um, the Michigan game in 17-18, the, where, they, where the students were just yelling Wagner at Mo Wagner for the entire game. That's another one that comes to mind. And then I think this game's right up there. It might be number three. Might be number three. Maybe have a strong case for number two. I think it's pretty tough to dethrone uh, No Sit Sunday. But that was an incredible atmosphere, an incredible game, and an, incre- and an, an enormous win for Nebraska. And what they want to do, the goals that they still have in front of them, including postseason play, which Fred Hoiberg didn't want to talk about, said they're not going there yet. There's still plenty of basketball in front of them. But as I sit here on February 3rd, Nebraska is 16-6. and six. They have equaled their win total from last season. And, you know, these next two games on the road, they are, you know, I think definitely, not definitely, they are the tough, two toughest games remaining, not just because they're on the road, but because of who the opponents are. Uh, they go on the road Sunday to Champaign to take on Illinois, who's number 14. And then they have a rematch in Evanston against Northwestern, which is going to be Wednesday night. 8 o'clock tip on BTN, and Well Shrine Arena has become a tough place to play. It's a legitimate, good Big Ten environment. Uh, they That place is renovated. It's fixed up. It's not nearly as much of a dump as it was when I was a manager, and it's a legitimate environment because Northwestern's a good team. They're a tournament team, and these next two games, it's against probably your number three and number four team in the league, and that's, you know, if Nebraska can get one, and I, I would say look at that game in Evanston because I mean Sunday is going to be tough just based on the the athleticism, the athletic mismatches. You know, Illinois is super athletic, and Nebraska is kind of the polar opposite. But we'll talk more about an Illinois preview at the end. Uh, some final thoughts on this Nebraska-Wisconsin game. Um, not a great birthday showing for Casey Tomonaga. Two points. 1-7 from the field, 0-4 from 3. He only played 19 minutes. I know some people want to, you know, if they, what's up with Kese, Where where's Kese? That's still a pretty big talking point because he's, you know, the headliner and, you know, gets a lot of love, rightfully so, from this fan base. But right now he's just in a little bit of a funk. Fred Hoiberg was quick to say that Kese doesn't have a, in practices where he shoots 
that bad. But there, these last couple games, we've seen, you know, if the if the shots aren't falling, you know, his he's kind of a light, not kind of, he is a liability on the defensive end. And going up against teams like Ohio State, we saw in that Ohio State game, um, you know, they they were hunting him, sending guys like Bruce Thornton, Roddy Gale right at him, and they were kind of doing whatever they wanted. Um, I'm I'm sure in this Illinois game on Sunday where they have guys like Terrence Shannon, Marcus Domask, um, some pretty skilled athletic guards. I'm sure they're going to try to hunt for Kese on defense, and that is, you know, if you can balance it out if the shots are falling at the other end. But if it, if they're not, you can't hide. Like the way Nebraska defends, you know, doubling the middle, doubling the baseline, and then scramble drill, you know, scrambling out. I mean, it's no coincidence. I mean, and it's, you know, it's an unfortunate truth. I mean, you know, plus minus is a very, you know, it's not a stat. It's not the, well, it is a stat, but it's not like the prophecy. It's not the, you know, it's just a, it circumstantial. It's a circumstantial statistic. But Casey Tomonaga was minus 16. Mark Lawrence was minus 17 on Thursday against Wisconsin. And a lot of that's just because of the defense. I mean, Nebraska looked like a completely different team when Kese was off the floor. They put him back in in the second half, you know, when it was getting down to winning time and you need guys who could make big shots. And right when they put him back on the floor, that was when Max Klesman got loose. Kese lost him on the rotation on the first three that Klesman hit. And he hit the second one, and Fred gave him the quick hook. And that was, you know, that was, I mean... It's all about the matchup. It's all about the circumstance. But, you know, right now, you know, Kese is on the struggle bus a little bit. And I think, you know, they're going to have to make an effort to get him going on offense, which means running plays for him. And I feel like I'm taking crazy pills saying this again, setting screens for the man. Someone needs to go out there and set a screen. Looking at you, Rink, Josiah, Rink Mast, Josiah Alec, Juwan Gary. Someone needs to set a screen for Kese and, you know, run some screen and roll, like scream and pop, something with, you know, some of the, the bigs. They need to help him because, you know, he's we've seen him make a bunch of bad shots this year, and the crowd loves when he makes any shot. They're they're waiting, like they are waiting with bated breath for just one big Kese 3 to go in. But, I mean, they got to get him some better looks, and they got to help him out uh, going forward. Uh, Bryce Williams down the stretch. He was he almost had a double double, seventeen points, nine rebounds. A lot of people have been asking me about Bryce Williams' body language and all sorts of, you know, does he care? Does he not care? I, he cares, and I, I will reiterate this again. He kind of carries himself like the Terminator. He's kind of the the embodiment of this never too high, never too low mindset that we've heard Fred Hoiberg preach. We now hear the players preaching when we either hear from them in press conferences or when we see the cinematic videos, the recap videos. It's it's a theme with this team. It's never too high, never too low. And I think Bryce Williams is kind of the living embodiment of that. And he was kind of the guy down the stretch. Um, you know, Had the big free throws that gave Nebraska the lead before Storr went down and tied it in regulation. Had a huge rebound. Um, and I think... They got to continue to, you know, he's got to be, he's got to be the dude. The crunch time, winning time, he's got to be the dude. And when he's got help from Rink Mask, CJ Wiltshire on this heater, I mean, it's, you know, this is, 
It's Nebraska in their best form. When they can get 22 from Wilcher, and not that efficient 20 from Rick Mass, 20 points on 18 shots. But then, you know, Bryce was 17 on 4 of 9, but he got to the line. He made 7 of his 8 uh, free throws, which was enormous. And then, obviously, the return of Jawan Gary. Jawan Gary, after missing the last three, uh, Northwestern, Ohio State, and Maryland back, he returned, came off the bench, played for 33 minutes, had nine points, four rebounds, a couple big uh, and ones, where he went to the rim and got fouled. And you could see just from the energy that Jawan had and that he was bringing, and Nebraska needed that. They're a big energy team. They feed off. Feed off the energy of guys like him and, and Casey. They also feed off that off the crowd at PBA, and that is evidenced by their home record. They have the they're tied for the most home wins in America. They're fourteen and one at home on the year. Um, so that's kind of thinking about you know the West, that Wisconsin game, special game, special night. What a scene! Two courts, two court stormings in a season, and Nebraska is sixteen and six as we sit here. On February the 3rd, we can take a look at what the metrics have to say about Nebraska following that game. Uh, Ken Palm, Nebraska sitting at 51 right now. They are projected to finish 21 and 10, 11 and 9. I think they are strongly in the NCAA tournament if they finish 21 and 10 and 11 and 9. Very favorable home stretch once they get through these next two against Illinois and Northwestern. Uh, still a good amount of green on the uh, on the sheet for on Ken Palm for Nebraska. Ken Palm uh, projects Illinois to win by 10 on Sunday. Gives Nebraska an 18% chance of winning in Champaign. The projected final score is 84-74. to 74. Over to Bart Torvik, where Nebraska is 50th. Just one spot higher. Still a good amount of green. On there, they project Illinois to win by 11, 85, 74, similar score. Um, they have Nebraska's current tourney odds at 52.7%, projected seeding of 9.7, so about a 10. Nebraska, is pro- for a tourney projection and similar, same projected record, uh, 21 and 10, 11 and 9 on Bart Torvik on Evan Mayakawa. He projects Illinois to win by 11 as well on Sunday. 82-71 to 71 is the projected score. And um, so I'm guessing the line will probably be Illinois minus 10.5, maybe 9.5 uh, when that comes out uh, later today. So a little on the Illini. Um, I think this is, you know, one of the more athletic teams Nebraska will see. Um, they present, they have a lot of ways to come at you. Um, most notably being all-conference player and all-American caliber player uh, in Terrence Shannon Jr. Um, He has had some off-the-court issues this season that are well-documented due to um, the the legal system. He is able to play again for for the Illini. 6'6", Chicago kid. He's averaging 20, 20 points, four rebounds. He's shooting 47%. From the field, and he is also shooting 35% from three. He is super athletic, um, three level guy, can score inside, outside, and he's he's really, really good. Um, Nebraska will probably have Bryce Williams, 
start on him uh, just because of the, the size um, and the length that he has. But they also have another 6'6 weapon, and that is Marcus Domask. He transferred in from Southern Illinois. Southern Illinois last year had Lance Jones, who's now at Purdue, and Marcus Domask, who's now at Illinois. They finished third in the Valley behind Rink Mass, Bradley Squad, and Drake. And it's been a big year for Valley uh, transfers making their way up to the Big Ten. Domask, he's a Wisconsin kid, former Wisconsin Gatorade Player of the Year, I've been told by people in Wisconsin that that was a weak uh, class. That's how he wound up at Southern Illinois. But Domask, he's also inside-outside guy. Uh, This season, uh, 15 points a game, just under five rebounds, assists as well. Uh, Yeah, 45% from the field. Not as much from three, but he he loves to go downhill and get to the rim. It's a mid-range pull-up game as well for him. Here's the matchup where I don't know what... Nebraska's going to do, and that's Coleman Hawkins. Uh, Coleman Hawkins, he uh, there are points where he brings the ball up the court for Illinois, 6'10". Um, he's averaging 11, six boards, a couple assists, 42% from the field. And this season, he's taking threes, and he's making them at a 37% clip. Uh, that's almost 10% higher than he was last year from three. He is re- incredibly athletic. We've seen the issues that athletic big guys uh, give this Nebraska team inside. Um, you know, that'll be, I think he will not be afraid to go step out, defend rink mass on the perimeter. I don't think he'll be afraid to, you know, try to impose his will inside either. I think he, you know, it's the three headed monster, you know, kind of, but with Shannon, Damask, and Hawkins. Shannon and Hawkins being the more athletic of the three, I, I don't know. Nebraska's going to have to find a way to stay in front of Terrence Shannon. I don't know who would be the top option to stay in front of him. And then Coleman Hawkins, just inside out. I mean, that's going to it's gonna be an interesting matchup for Rinkmast. I uh, would c- kind of worry about it, looking at it on paper. Uh, the rest of the guys who play for Illinois the most, Quincy Gurrier, he is also in the starting five. He's averaging 11, eight rebounds. He pound, yeah, he's their he's their big rebounder inside, six eight from Montreal. He's shooting 46 percent from the field. Um, he will take an occasional three, but not too often. Luke Goody, stereotypical uh, shooter off the bench, um, six seven guy, seven points a game, four four boards, 41 percent from the field. He's shooting 40 percent. From behind the arc, um, and then their guard situation. Um, you know they have a couple guys that'll come in off the bench. Uh, Justin Harmon, he transferred in from Utah Valley. He's averaging six points a game. Uh, Ty Rogers, who you know we got told before the season by Brad Underwood could maybe run the point. He's not a point guard. He's a six-six forward, but he's averaging six five boards. A um, little inside out from him. 51% from the field for Ty Rogers. Um, he does not take threes. He'll try to play downhill and maybe play in the mid-range game. Uh, Dane Danger. He's the guy who is built like a brick shithouse, 6'9", 270. Um, he will gladly you know, take up space in the paint. Um, five points a game, three rebounds. Uh, yeah, all of his work is inside for Illinois. He will gladly plant himself in the paint and defend inside. And then Dre Gibbs Lawhorn, 
uh, a freshman from Lafayette, um, still kind of trying to find his way. He may be the heir apparent to maybe run the point, but he's still a freshman. But those are the guys who play the most minutes for the Illini, but it, it kind of starts and ends with that three-headed three-headed attack of Shannon, Domask, and uh, Coleman Hawkins. I don't really – it's the, the matchups with Shannon – and uh, Hawkins are the ones that worry me the most for Nebraska looking at this one. Uh, Maryland went into Illinois and won. Uh, Marquette went into Illinois and won earlier in the season. There are their, those are their two home losses. Illinois sitting at 16-5 and five on the year. They're number 14 in the AP in coaches' poll. They're number 10 on Ken Palm. They have the fifth most efficient uh, offense in terms of adjusted efficiency in the country. They do a lot of things well. There's a lot of green on here. Uh, they don't turn teams over. Um, they don't. Yeah, they don't force a lot of turnovers. But they are they're they're just athletic. They got plenty of ways to come at you. Even though I will never believe in Brad Underwood as a coach. I don't know what their their ceiling is in March. But they just have they got length. They got yeah. They got a lot of long athletic dudes, and they have plenty of ways to come at you. It's kind of the exact blueprint we've seen from teams that have caused Nebraska problems this year. Um, I would not, you know, it, unfortunately, you know, it, I, I'm not expecting much from this game tomorrow. Um, it's going to be more about how it looks for Nebraska, and that's kind of been the unfortunate theme with these losses. It's not it's not that they lost, it's how they lost, and this game kind of kind of screams that to me, but it's also Nebraska basketball. So in a way, you got to expect the unexpected. Um, I'm interested to know if they will, you know, come back um, from from Champaign and then get on the plane again to go to Evanston, or if they'll just stay and you know stay in Illinois for a couple of days. I know some professors may not like that, but you know, just an idea. Maybe probably can't actually now that I think about it because of school. But you know, they got the private jet; they'll they'll figure it out. So that's looking ahead to Illinois on Sunday for Nebraska, and we can finish up with a little look around uh, the league. Maybe some games to watch um, coming up. It's a big college basketball weekend. Sitting here recording this on Saturday afternoon. Pretty big uh, slate of games today. The first Duke North Carolina game. Iowa State Baylor. Some some big games. You know, so far. Um, you know, not so far. Probably the biggest weekend so far. It helps that there's no NFL going on. Uh, Penn State went to Assembly Hall and beat Indiana by by 14 today. Um, Indiana definitely on the struggle bus. Um, there is a lot of chatter at IU, people wanting uh, to just get the Dusty May era underway. Dusty May, the Florida Atlantic head coach, former student manager for Bobby Knight. Um, you know, Mike Woodson is, you know, he was not, you know, going to be there forever. But the way this year's looked, there are some people who think that, you know, they just want to get the Dusty May era kick-started because he appears to be the heir apparent. And that's another tough result. Nebraska goes to Assembly Hall um, in a couple weeks. You know, 18 days from now, they go to Assembly Hall. And who knows what Indiana is going to look like between now and then. they got to play Ohio State again, go to Mackey, which could get extra ugly. And then Northwestern comes to Assembly Hall before Indiana sees Nebraska again. And oddly enough, Nebraska has won a lot. They've won a good amount at Assembly Hall before, and Nebraska already beat Indiana fairly, you know, made it look kind of easy breezy around the year. That's that's going to be a winnable road game for Nebraska here in a couple weeks. Indiana definitely sitting on the struggle bus. Uh, some other 
notable games this weekend. Uh, Maryland, Michigan State this afternoon. This this will probably be out a little before then. Um, those two teams played one of the uglier games I've seen this year in College Park a couple weeks back in Michigan State. Picked up the big road win. Um, I'm interested to see what the rematch looks like. Sparty favored by almost eight points in that game. And the metrics still really love Michigan State, which is helping Nebraska kind of because that's a it's a big win on the on the resume and there isn't a double play. So Michigan State keeps winning. That's uh, being, helping Nebraska out uh, quite a bit. And then tomorrow, the main event, the main event of the Big Ten season so far is not Nebraska-Illinois. It is Purdue-Wisconsin. Number two, Purdue against number six, Wisconsin. Um, battling it, you know, both teams only have two conference losses. Uh, Purdue at nine and two, Wisconsin eight and two, Wisconsin half a game back. And that could, that'll be a big game at the Kohl Center on Sunday at noon on big CBS. That'll be, uh, that's, uh, that's um, going to be appointment viewing for me. It'll be interesting to see how Wisconsin responds. And, you know, Purdue, Kohl uh, Center's kind of been a, you know, Kohl Center's a tough place to play, especially when it's juiced up and, Wisconsin will be coming off a tough loss. Purdue will be coming off of, well, they haven't played since the that Northwestern game in overtime. The overtime game uh, went over Northwestern uh, on the thirty first, so that'll be their first game back in a couple of days, and will be box. Yeah, that'll be appointment viewing on Sunday afternoon. Uh, that's kind of the look around the Big Ten right now. Right now, the standings: Purdue, Wisconsin, Illinois. Northwestern Nebraska is half a game back, <laughs> half a game out of double by territory for the Big Ten tournament in Minneapolis, currently sitting in fifth, followed by Michigan State, Maryland, Penn State, Indiana, Iowa, um, and then a bottom four of Minnesota, Ohio State, Rutgers, and Michigan. Uh, Nebraska is happy to have Michigan uh, twice on the schedule right now because, man, is that a bad that's a bad situation in Ann Arbor for Juwan Howard for those fans for that program. They are gonna they're gonna finish last in the Big Ten. Michigan basketball, 14th place. Not uh, not gonna be a great look for them. Well, that'll wrap it up. I appreciate everybody tuning in. We have found a fix to uh, producer Matt's computer being out of commission in the meantime. Um, so we're gonna try and get some more pods out to you more frequently. Uh, depending on how tomorrow goes, maybe I'll. If it's uh, Nebraska Springs an upset, maybe I'll knock something out tomorrow. But we'll uh, we'll put something out on Monday or Tuesday to talk about uh, the game against Illinois. Look ahead to Northwestern and uh, then Michigan. Michigan on the weekend on uh, Saturday is when we're going to see everybody's favorite Black History Month jerseys um, that Nebraska wore basically for the entire month of February last season and Kese. Uh, Tomanaga went on a heater in. Um, those are coming out on Saturday at 5.30 at Pinnacle Bank Arena. All of Nebraska's home games left also are on the weekend. Uh, that Wisconsin game was the last weeknight home game of the season, so plenty of chances for the fans to come out um, and uh, help will this team toward the postseason uh, starting on Saturday the 10th against Michigan. But until then, um, I appreciate all, all of you for tuning in, sticking with us through the technical issues that we've seen, but this has been a really fun season to be a part of. It's been really, really fun. Pods have been fun. The interactions on social media has been really fun, and uh, I think we're we're trending toward it possibly being 
even more special. Um, trending toward postseason play, I, I have I'm trying to make arrangements for the Big Ten tournament, get up there for the conference tournament, and then we'll see what happens a week after. But I think we're we are trending toward a fun month of March and a very fun month of February in Nebraska basketball. If you don't already, you can follow the show on social media at Stretch Big Pod. You can email the show, any questions, inquiries, whatever is on your mind, uh, stretchbigpodcast at gmail.com. And you can, you know, my DMs are open. Follow me on Twitter at Jacob A. Bigelow. Follow along for the stretch run because, folks, I think it's going to be one to remember for Nebraska basketball fans. This has already been a season to remember, but there's uh, still plenty of fun and fun possibilities left to be had this uh, final month of the regular season. Thanks again, and I will talk to you all soon.